Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. What's going on, everybody? We are back after a very small hiatus. I'm Elliot. I'm here with Matt Lombardo. We are at the Novacare Complex where the Miami Dolphins have infiltrated, and they have been here the past two days. Matt, what's going on? Elliot, it's been a fun couple of days. You actually get to you know, watch a training camp practice that feels a little bit like a preseason game. Yeah, it's been a fun couple of days for you, too. You got LeGarrette Blunt shipped out of town. Everyone's all on <laughs> your mentions. I got a little bit of a cold, as you might be able to hear, but we're fighting through. We're, we're, we're never day-to-day here at uh, the No Huddle Show. We're always good to go. So we got a lot to talk about today. As I mentioned, we're definitely going to get into LeGarrette Blunt. Um, I have a bunch of bunch of takes on that. So we'll talk about the LeGarrette Blunt situation, which I also think we need to talk about the running game and how that's looked over the past two preseason games in, in, in practice as well. Definitely going to get into what we've seen, Eagles versus Dolphins. Like you said, I mean, I think these are practices where you can really – it's like real practice. You can actually take stuff away from it. So I thought there's a lot to talk about from there. And Nick Foles, um, it wasn't going to be a topic when we originally planned on doing this today, but Nick didn't practice on Tuesday against the Dolphins. Uh, so I think there's starting to be a little bit of red flags here. We'll get into that a little bit. And then we have your Twitter questions. So before we get started, as usual, I want to remind you guys, if you're not already subscribed, please do so. Uh, you can listen to us in the browser. You listen to us on YouTube. If you're listening to us on YouTube, you can definitely, well, I'd appreciate it if you would give us those thumbs up. Always appreciate it. Um, but also go subscribe. We're on iTunes. We're on Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. Google Play, and Spreaker. So you can find us everywhere. And once you do, leave those reviews. And going to start something new, Matt. And yes, this is a complete bite off the Right to Ricky Sanchez podcast, one of the best <laughs> Sixers podcasts out there. But I like that they read people's reviews. So I'm going to read a few reviews we've gotten in the past few days. So if you leave a review, we could read it on the next episode. Um, this one was close to my heart. Great podcast by Fixture Code. This podcast is fire, 100. So he was clearly pandering, uh, pandering to the right reporter with that. And then we have one, uh, this one, Show is All Right by Adrian Exos. Elliot Dude seems like a closet Cowboy fan. I don't get that. I don't think we even talk about the Cowboys very much You know much what's funny here. is I get that a lot on Twitter because I, I've tried to tell people that as reporters, I don't know about your approach to covering the team, Elliot, but me personally, I have no emotional interest one way or the other on how this team does. Yeah, I mean, I get paid whether they make the playoffs or not. So Right. So, <laughs> so people think that because I'm not an Eagles fan that I'm some sort of Cowboys fan or Giants right. fan. I can't say this clearly or unequivocally enough. I don't cheer for an NFL team. I mm-hmm. cover the NFL. I cover the Eagles. And, you know, it, it's the job. It pays the bills. And I love it. But that doesn't make me a Cowboys fan. and It doesn't make you a Cowboys fan either. No, sadly, you're a Penn State fan, so you have enough str- Yeah, Sadly, a uh, Penn State season ticket holder. Yeah, Don't there you go. Sure. All right, we'll see. Um, then this one I wanted to read, too. 
Title, Thank God for Matt Lombardo. Five stars by Pills. Very Doughboy. Very nice. ESP is the most horrific takes in all of Eagles Twitter. Thankfully, Matt is here to write the ship. So everyone's happier on the podcast now. Happy we, to be here. We have a few that said they, <laughs> they missed Mark, and I know we both too, but I definitely have been enjoying doing this. So everyone, keep leaving the comments. Leave those five stars. We really appreciate the feedback. Um, we read every single one of them, or at least I, knew, I, I know I do. So I do appreciate it. So, all right, now that that's out of the way, let's get into it. Eagles versus Dolphins the last two days. I know what my biggest takeaway has been. Matt, what's your biggest takeaway? Well, I know that you've gotten the chance to really watch Alshon Jeffrey and Carson yeah, you Wentz come the together. Yeah. Right. I, I've basically been keyed in on the defense. And, you know, the one thing that really jumped out at me is, you know, he takes a lot of criticism from a lot of people, but Jay Cutler's really good. Yeah, and he's I don't very know, talented. I don't know how great he is consistently on Sundays, and his numbers kind of bear that out, but he's a hell of a practice player. And you saw today on Tuesday, the second of the two practices, he's just slinging the ball up and down the field with accuracy. He had a, a back shoulder throw to Anthony Fasano, the tight end in the end zone, where he hit him in stride where mm-hmm. only he could get it against Nigel Bradham. And I think the defense, what we saw over the course of the last two days is they're going to get after the quarterback and they're going to get a lot of sacks and that's even without Brandon Graham on the field with Derek Barnett there and even Chris Long getting in on the act but if they don't get after the quarterback Cutler's burnt them up and down on deep throws the last two days and I really think that could be emblematic of this team it's it's outhouse or penthouse you're either going to get the sack and you're going to get the turnover or if you don't get home with that pass rush outside of Ronald Darby doing his thing I think quarterbacks could have a an opportunity for some deep balls against this defense this year. Yeah, and as you mentioned, I mean, I was kind of, first of all, these joint practices are incredibly hectic. You have 100 and roughly 180 players there over two fields, or three fields, but they really work on two fields. You have tons of fans, two media fan bases, so we kind of split up. You were on the defense, I was on the offense, but the times I did get to watch the defense, two things that stood out to me. Uh, First is, I've tweeted this a bunch, Carson Wentz has an incredibly strong arm, but you watch him throw it compared to Cutler. They can both throw it as far, but you can tell, like, Cutler is just, like, has a Michael Vick-type flick of the wrist, yep. and that thing is gone, like, 30, 40 yards. Wentz can put it up, but you can just tell it takes Wentz a little more effort. And that's no knock on Wentz. I think Cutler is one of the few quarterbacks in the league that can really flick his wrist like that. Yeah, I think he has a gone. really strong arm, and what really jumped out at me, Elliot, is the timing that he has down with Jarvis Landry and yeah. Kenny Stills. The timing that he has to throw the ball to a spot and those guys go and get it. You have to remember, he's only been on that team for three weeks. He doesn't have mm-hmm. the benefit of OTAs and minicamp, but that's a quarterback trusted his receivers and it goes to show you the knowledge that he has in the offense and obviously the Eagles and Doug Peterson they want that out of Carson Wentz with Alshon Jeffrey right and they have one more game to get to that level before week one and I know you're going to talk about what you saw out of the offense yeah. but the one thing that I've really felt ever since that Buffalo game mm-hmm. I really think Elliot it might take a couple weeks into the regular season before this offense really hits its stride I don't think it's going to be an overnight sensation where Wentz and Jeffrey and Smith and Ertz are all on the same page and firing on all cylinders. So before I get into the defense, thank you. That's exactly what I've been saying, and it's why I think they're going to lose to the Redskins in Week One. I don't think the Redskins are a better team. Than, yeah. I don't think the Eagles are a better. I don't think the Redskins are a better team than the Eagles. I think they're very close. The Eagles probably have an edge. That's just a tough spot. But the other thing I wanted to say that I noticed watching the Eagles' defense at times I was able to was you can really tell that this secondary is going to struggle against fast receivers. They just do not have the speed. Ronald Darby does help in that department, obviously, but he's only one of three cornerbacks that are going to be out there or one of four sometimes. Jalen Mills, Rasul Douglas, 
Ron Brooks, Patrick Robinson doesn't really have it, but might or might not make the team. Right, might or might make the team, but they just do not have speed. And when you're facing the Dolphins, Kenny Stills especially, the guy everybody thinks I wanted to give twelve million dollars to, but he was a guy I thought the Eagles should sign, should have should have at least seriously explored signing, and I think they did look into it. But Kenny Stills gave them fits. I mean, he is a fast receiver. And Jalen Mills has his strengths. He's a good tackler. He's a physical player. He has confidence. Speed is not his strength, especially down the sideline. So you could really see with Kenny Stills, uh, Jarvis Landry, Devontae Parker, just how much his Eagles secondary struggled with that speed. So yep. that, that was my big takeaway in the times that we did. We'll see the defenses. There will be receiving units. I think this uh, cornerback group does a little better than expected against, especially ones that are slower and you can integrate Malcolm Jenkins a little. But The problem is when you go two and three deep and you get it right mm-hmm. out of the shoot with Jamison Crowder and Terrell Pryor and then right. you get no break in week three with Odell Beckham Jr., Brandon Marshall, and Sterling Shepard. These are receiving cores that could go two or three deep. And I think that what we saw, Elliot, with Landry and with Stills and even the tight ends with Fasano and Julius Thomas is that Darby's one guy. And if you mm-hmm. put him on an island against Odell Beckham Jr. or against Crowder, I, I, th- I feel fairly confident in him. Him, limiting those guys' productions. Maybe not, you know, taking them out of the game, but limiting them. But these quarterbacks that have secondary and third options that are legitimate top-tier wide receivers, I think they're going to struggle, the secondary is, especially if that pass rush doesn't get home. Yeah, it's like you like you said, the pass rush is going to be key. Um, the times I was able to see it, I didn't think the pass I, – I shouldn't say the pass rush. I didn't think the Eagles' run defense was very good against the Dolphins. I saw a lot of holes open up there. J.H.I. Um, is really good. He had yeah, a really nice couple of days. He did, he did. And, I, you know, we're going to get into this a little bit, but you could really see the issue the Eagles have at running back watching him play. I mean, he is a special player. The Eagles do not have a guy like him. So – Let's get into the offense a little bit. Um, my biggest takeaway against the Dolphins is this. Carson Wentz and Alshon Jeffrey have work to do, but you could see, and I could see for the first time, what he can bring to this offense, and you can see them starting to get on the same page. And my thing with Alshon, and we've talked about him every week, my thing has never been that he's not talented. My thing has been he, he's not been uh, consistent and that he's not practicing. Now that he's starting to work... I, I just wasn't willing to crown him and say you know, he was going to be all this and that until I saw it. Now that he's practicing consistently and he's getting more targets from Wentz, you can start to see what he's going to bring to this offense, especially against the Dolphins. I mean, the last few days, the last two practices, he's had nine catches for two t- and then two touchdowns. So he's been productive. He's caught more passes over the past two days than he did in all the previous training camp practices combined. And Wentz is really targeting him. I mean, I think he's thrown it to him like, 12 or 13 times over the past two practices. Yeah. He's, he's looking for him in the end zone. He's looking for him in the middle of the field. He's looking for him down the field. What I've also really liked is you're seeing Wentz throw him the ball. Like, all right, so on Tuesday, the Eagles are in the red zone. He throws a, a, a fade route to Alshon in the corner, and it's incomplete. Next play, he goes right back to it. Neither was completed. But what you liked from that was you liked how he went back to it and that they're getting that work in, especially when you saw against the bills, he tried to hit Alshon in the corner and Alshon was held up, but the pass was still incomplete and fell far from it. So my takeaway has been just kind of how much Carson and Alshon are starting to look like they're on the same page. I agree with what you said initially that this team is going to take some time. You know, Alshon is going to practice the next two weeks, but he'll, he'll play somewhat against the dolphins on Thursday. 
won't play at all against the Jets, I would assume. So the practices are starting to be limited in terms of what they have. But I think you did start to see for the first time these two get on the same page. Yeah, and, and I think that that's what you need to see. And you look at the first game Thursday night, you had the play where Alshon Jeffrey ran the wrong route. You yep. saw the offense really not be able to get anything going. They didn't have a third down conversion with the first team. The first third down conversion came with 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Dane Evans was the quarterback at that point. So on Thursday night, you're going to want to see Wentz and Jeffrey start to develop that connection. You're going to want to see Wentz target Torrey Smith, who he threw the ball to quite frequently in the spring, yeah. but it's been a really quiet summer and start to the preseason for Torrey Smith. But my issue with this team looking big picture and long range, Elliot, is if you're continuing to build that chemistry against the Redskins and against the Chiefs and against the Giants, those are three really good football teams, three physical football teams with physical defenses, and you could kind of bury yourself early on yeah. while you're trying to get your footing and come together as a team. And then your season's over by the time you're, you're clicking. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, here's the thing I'll say, though, and it ties into what you said, but also what I saw from the Dolphins-Eagles practices. Carson Wentz, man, like, he is really good, and he is a gamer. Like, what really impressed me about Carson with these past two days is he stepped up to the moment. I mean, you have another team coming in here into your practice facility, playing on your practice fields the last two days, and Carson Wentz has been great. And what really stood out for me on Tuesday was, and I, I like this decision from the coaches, instead of having practice going on on two fields, they put all the players on one field. And if you weren't on the Eagles' first team offense or the Dolphins' first team defense, you were watching what was happening. So It was like a scrimmage. It was, it was like, like if you were watching a, a spring game. Exactly, yeah, and it, it created that intensity. And I didn't think Wentz had a great start to the day on Tuesday. He was inaccurate at the beginning, had a little um, some issues overthrowing passes. But on that drill right there, he went five for six, completed his first four passes, got the team down the field, didn't get him in the end zone, but did lead him to a field goal. And to me, that was a big moment where Wentz stepped up, met the moment, and played well. And the rest of his practice after that was very good. So I agree with you that the Eagles, it's going to take a while for this team to gel. I do think they lose to the Redskins, and I think they could get off to a rough start. But Carson Wentz has been so good. And this is what, I've, what I always used to say before they had Wentz. Yeah. You have to have a quarterback in this league. And Carson's going to give them a chance to win every single game this season. There's not a game on their schedule they'll go into where I'll say they don't have a chance because not that Carson Wentz is a finished product, not that he's a top-five quarterback, but he has moments where he can, if he puts two, three series together against any team, Eagles could put up 21 points. I mean, he's been that good. And now that he's starting to click with, with Alshon, you're really starting to see just how – how much better he could be this year because of the receivers around him. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot to be said for that, but you have to also tread a little bit lightly because this is a guy that last year had 16 touchdowns, yep. 14 interceptions, you know, set up a rookie franchise record, 607 passing attempts, was asked to essentially do it all. Yeah. And, and not to mention that he's going to be doing this this year with two new wide receivers and, you know, a running back situation, whether it's Wendell Smallwood, whether it's LeGarrette Blunt and Darren Sproles, whether it's Corey Clement, somebody that they pick up off waivers who maybe they liked previously. It's going to be a lot of moving parts early on right. in the year. And I, I caution people, and I know that earlier on in the spring, I said, oh, 32 touchdowns would be a big leap forward for him, and that would be a monumental leap, and it's only yeah. been done by Blake Bortles be double. and one other quarterback. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know that seeing Carson Wentz turn into that franchise quarterback is going to happen overnight. You want to see him improve, but don't jump off bridges if he goes out of those first three games and he has nine touchdowns and six picks. It's going to take some time here. 
Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I'm not saying the Eagles are going to win every game because right. of Wentz. I'm just saying I think he has enough talent that they'll go into every game with a chance because he has the ability to catch fire, which I think you've saw over the, you've seen over the past two days with the Dolphins. But to your point, I think that's a good segue into the next thing I wanted to talk about. Carson was asked to do a lot last year, a lot, and a big reason for that was because the Eagles didn't have a running back they could trust. Now they kind of find themselves in the same position. And let's talk about LeGarrette Blunt, a yep. guy who, you know, this week, your, your Twitter mentions have been on fire. Let's talk about what happened over this past week. You wrote a story basically saying he could be on the, the bubble, I don't know if you want to take it from here, and just kind of talk about the, the Garrett Blunt roller coaster of this week and what Doug had to say today. Yeah, it's been really interesting, Elliot, because I did a story on Sunday morning just listing veterans who might be fighting for their jobs. And one of the first players that I put on that list was LeGarrette Blunt, because, and not because of what we've seen in the preseason where he's running, you know, sweeps to the outside and not really putting up big numbers, averaging 1.9 yards per carry, lost a fumble last week on a pass against the, the Buffalo Bills that the Bills ended up recovering. But I wrote that because of what we've seen in practice every day. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you, but watching LeGarrette Blunt in practice, even in those short yardage between the tackles runs, and I can't really speak to what's happened the last couple of days because, as you said, I've been watching the defense. Right. But he looks like he's a step or two slow to the hole. He doesn't look all that explosive. And you look at him last year, his numbers fell off a cliff in December and January in terms of his touchdown numbers, in terms of his yard per carry numbers. And he's coming off a, a workload of over 299 carries, seven catches, and 30-year-old running backs coming off that kind of year don't necessarily replicate that success going into this season. So I put LeGarrette Blount on the list of players who might have to fight for their job over the second half of the preseason, mm -hmm. and it went nuts. People, you know, the reaction on Twitter was that, oh, the Eagles are going to cut Carson Wentz or the Eagles are going to cut Jason Peters. And I just don't think that it's 100% set in stone that Blunt makes this team I didn't report that he's getting cut. I just said that there's a chance that he's fighting for a job, and next thing you know, it's Tuesday, and yeah, Doug's getting and, asked And also, it. like, not to get off on a tangent, and this is an example of this happening to you, but it's happened to me too, where you write an opinion piece, it, which is what it was. I mean, right. you're here every day, you, right. so it's an informed opinion. You're here every day. You know, the, you know the dynamics of the roster. You know the cap situations, all those things. But it's an opinion piece. It gets picked up by pro football talk, and all of a sudden, everyone, everyone's saying, you know, oh, this is clickbait. You're just saying this. There's no way it happens, blah, blah. Maybe it doesn't happen, but I think it's so stupid, and I'll speak for, for me here and defend you a little, you know, defend you that. in this case, <laughs> but, you know, everyone's like calls these things clickbaits. Calling something clickbait, in my opinion, is such an uninformed, stupid way to, to come in an article because, one, our job's to write about the Eagles, and our job is to write about stuff people want to read. So, of course, we write things people are going to click on. You wouldn't have put LeGarrette Blunt on there if you didn't think he had a chance of getting cut. Right, but, if he was the same player that we saw last October and November, right. if he was a guy that in goal line live period drills was blowing up linebackers and scoring right. touchdowns, th there's no way I write that. But that just hasn't been what we've seen. Right. And what's even more interesting with pro football talk, I give them credit in this case. It was Mike Florio who wrote yeah. the article, and he said Matt Lombardo of NJ.com suggests – which is all it was. It wasn't a report. It right. wasn't an insinuation. It was just a suggestion based on my opinion that Blunt might be on the bubble. Yeah, and so then that happens. And I just think it's so weak when people come at reporters with that. I'm not just saying us. I see people do it to other reporters. Yeah, if you put, I don't know, Donnell Pumphrey, that's a bad example because he won't get cut. But somebody else in that headline, yeah, it probably wouldn't have been have garnered as much attention. So in that way, it is an article that you know a lot of people read and a lot of people talked about. It was yeah. a successful article. But 
you know, just people calling it clickbait, I think it's so weak. There's people that don't understand. The job is to write things people want to read. And yes, in that way, we are writing for clicks, but we're writing our truth in a way that we think people will be interested in it. It's a business. It's a job. Yep. That's my tangent and, on and, it. and people who know me, and you've heard me on the radio, you've read me for the last three or four years on NJ.com, I'm not a guy who's out there for clicks. I just mm-hmm. put out my opinion. I put out my, you know, my observation that I don't think LeGarrette Blunt has been very good in what he specializes in. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm basing everything or even a large portion of this observation on what he's done in the games because even Doug said today that sometimes you put your players in bad spots right. in preseason games, and I think LeGarrette Blunt's been put in a bad spot by being asked to, you know, run off tackle and run these sweet plays to the sidelines because that's not his game, but in his strength, his strength is hitting the whole downhill runner, short yardage goal line. He looks slow. He looks a bit old. And you look at his numbers in December and January last year, and you juxtapose that based on what we've seen in these practices. It doesn't look like he's the same player. And mm-hmm. whether he's on the team or not, Elliot, I, I really don't think the Eagles and Howie Roseman did enough this offseason to address that position. And I give them a lot of credit, and we've talked about it, and how they signed Alshon Jeffrey, how they signed Smith, how they drafted guys like Mac Hollins. But that running back spot, which is pivotal to the development of a quarterback, I don't think they did nearly enough, even if Blunt is here. Yeah, so later in the day after you write that story, NFL insider Adam Kaplan um, says that he – he did a little poking around, and he doesn't think Blunt Spot's completely safe. I don't have his exact quote in front of me, but he, he said, you know, he insinuated, I think it's fair to say, that the team isn't very happy with the, the shape Blunt's in. Um, they don't feel like he's kind of grabbed the, uh, the job, the number one job by the horns and, and just taken it. So, look, at the end of the day, I don't think LeGarrette Blunt is going to get cut. I think Blunt more than likely is on the roster in week one. Financially, they're not super tied to him. $400,000 down the drain if they cut him, which, you know, to me and you is a lot of money. Right. But for, for them, it's not. So um, I don't think financially they, they, have, they, would, would, they would not cut him because of those financial ramifications. Here, I will, here's a quote well, from Kaplan, which, okay, was it, it, which was independent of what I wrote. This is Kaplan right. on the radio that day. said, the more information I gather on Blunt, the more I understand that he's no lock to make the football team. Again, if you were to ask me a week ago, I'd say probably, eh, he's going to make it. I don't see it being an issue. But bad preseason games, weight issues, not great. I've just been checking into some things. I don't think he's a lock to make the roster. Wait, which is essentially what you wrote. Right. And so take that, everyone that was all up in the mentions. But anyway, <laughs> I, I don't think Blunt is going to get cut. Um, I think there's a maybe 10 to 15% chance. But I'm not saying I don't think Blunt's not going to get cut because of him and the offensive line and all those things. They're not, he's not going to get cut because the Eagles don't have anybody else running back. Right. I mean, Wendell Smallwood looked good, but he can't stay healthy. Donnell Pumphrey, I think the arrow is very much pointing down on him after these past two weeks. How he, disappointing has he been? He's not been very good. Um, and then Corey Clement, you know, if he'll make the team, I don't know, but he's an undrafted rookie. You can't count on him. Darren Sproles has looked very good. I think, um, and I get into Zach Berman uh a lot with this of the inquire me and him get into it about Sproles. He thinks Sproles can be pretty close to an every down back. He's very impressed with them. And Zach makes a lot of good points. And I do agree with him more than I used to, but I still think Sproles is more of a complimentary back than a number one back. So the Eagles don't have anybody they could really go to if they did cut blunt. But the next question then I think we should talk about is, do you think this team is going to target a running back in a trade or, or maybe a, maybe a situation where they keep 
uh, four running backs at the 53 man roster, then they pick one up off waivers and cut somebody. So yeah, and that that's where and and I agree with you that I don't think the Eagles are keeping Legarrette Blunt because of Pumphrey. I don't think they're keeping him because of Corey Clement and what we've seen so far out of him. Even though I have been impressed by Clement, and I think the Eagles have been too. You have to remember, Elliot. There aren't two sets of roster cuts anymore. So right. on that Saturday, September 2nd, every team is going to have to cut 37 players. Every team is going to have to go from 90 to 53. And there are going to be some running backs that shake loose. And there yeah. might be some young running backs who the Eagles might have liked in the draft over the last couple of years. Maybe some guys that they offered undrafted free agent you know, things for. Maybe they're guys that just fell out of favor with their team. And the Eagles view them based on their production in the first couple of years of their career as a better scheme fit right now than somebody like like Blunt, that's where I think that Blunt's job could be at risk more so than to anything on this roster. So let's talk about this now because before I we started the show, I tweeted out um, at the No Huddle Show, anybody that wants to tweet us questions, we'll answer them, and we're going to do that at the end. But yep. one that I got a bunch of, so I figured I'll just address it now, is uh, LaShawn McCoy. So there's been... I don't know where this started. I think uh, Evan Silva, or uh, I don't know who he writes for, but some writer tweeted out that he wouldn't be surprised if LaShawn McCoy was traded by the Bills. And it makes sense. When I you can look only at imagine f- his Twitter mentions this yeah. week. What, what must he be going for? I know, right? So, I mean, the Bills look like they're rebuilding. They have two ones, two twos, and two threes next year. Um, they traded away Ronald Darby, as Eagles fans well know. So I, I do think they are in kind of a rebuild, new head coach. Keeping McCoy doesn't make a lot of sense for them, not because McCoy isn't good anymore. He's still, in my opinion, one of the best backs in the NFL, just because what does having a 29-year-old running back do for you if you could land an asset for him now? And let's be honest, McCoy's value is only going to go down. So to me, the idea of the Bills trading McCoy is not that crazy. Do you think the Eagles, A, would make a play for McCoy, and B, if you were the Eagles, would you do it? I just don't think they have the horses. I mean, you look Mm -hmm. at their current stockpile of draft picks. They have a first-round pick this year, no second-round pick. Bill Belichick is going to find a way not to give them that conditional third-round pick. There's no way they're getting that third from the Patriots. Let's be real. There's no way. They have three-fourths, a fifth, and a sixth. So there are no top-tier draft picks, which you would think the Bills would be looking for, even for a 29-year-old in LaShawn McCoy, who has shown you through this preseason that he could still be a big factor in an offense. Do I think LaShawn McCoy would be great here? Absolutely. And I think that having him alongside Carson Wentz for one or two years would be incredible in this offense. But let's take a step back. When was the last time this team drafted and developed a running back, drafted and developed a top-tier wide receiver, drafted and developed an offensive skill player other than Carson Wentz, other than Zach Ertz? It's been a while, and I think that not drafting well has hurt this team. I think trading draft picks for veteran assets has the potential to really hurt this team. Yeah. And you think back just to those three years of the Chip Kelly era when Howie and him were taking turns butting heads. Elliot, there are only seven players that were drafted in those three years by Chip Kelly that are still on this roster. So until you start drafting well... Mm you're not going to be able to field a long-standing competitive football team. And that's why I think trading draft picks for LaShawn McCoy, A, I don't think you have the ammunition to get it done, and B, I think that goes against your long-term vision of building around Carson Wentz, a team that can win for three and four years. So I agree with you, um, and that's obviously a shot at Howie, which I always support because I don't think Howie's done a good job. But that's probably a larger issue. But what I will say for right now, 
The reality is the Eagles need a better running game for week one against the Redskins for the season because it ties in what we've always said. This season is about developing Wentz. And if you don't have a running game, he's going to throw the ball 607 times again next year. And yeah, it's good for him to get those reps, I guess, but you don't want him to be in a situation where he has to throw the ball. So my argument for trading for McCoy would be this. One, the Eagles have 12. His cap hit for the this season and the next two seasons is six. If I'm, I believe it's six million dollars according to Spotrack. So the Eagles have about twelve million dollars in space right now. Um, that space is important though because they currently only project to have about a hundred thousand dollars next off season, yeah. and they have a ton of free agents, ton of guys up for deals. So yep. they're going to need that money. So it isn't just a saying, oh well, they have twelve million extra now. Why not do it? It's saying you're giving away six million dollars in cap space next season as well. So if I were the Eagles and I were the Cowboys or I were the Falcons or I were the Packers or I were the Patriots and I felt like I was one player away, and the Cowboys are a great example, losing Ezekiel Elliott. Mm-hmm. If I thought that LaShawn McCoy could put me over the top to be a Super Bowl caliber team, and I thought my team and my quarterback were ready to go, which I don't know that Carson Wentz is at that point yet in his development. Right. Then I'd pull the trigger and say, hey, I'd even go so far as offer a first-round pick for LaShawn McCoy. But the Eagles aren't there yet. So, and I think yeah. we all need to take a step back and say that what's best for this team is what are they going to look like in 2018 and 2019, not necessarily how good is the team around them in 2017. So I think it depends on the asset, obviously, what you have to give up. If you told me the Bills simply wanted to get rid of the cap space and LaShawn wanted to come back here and it's going to cost you – you know, I don't like an, a fifth or a sixth round pick. Yeah, you use that fifth round pick you got from the Matt Topin deal and you do it, in my opinion, because the Eagles are not Super Bowl contenders, but they might be a LaShawn McCoy away from winning this division. The division is not going to be as good as people think. The Cowboys look like they're falling off. A good running game. And, you know, like this isn't just a reunion for the sake of a reunion. Right. LaShawn McCoy is still really good. The I Eagle, agree. Eagles fans saw that, and you know, his brief play last, last week against the Eagles. Very fast, very explosive. Easily he'd be the best running back on the roster. And I mean, honestly, six million dollars is not that bad of a deal. I mean, I'm sure the Eagles could get out of it in a year or two. If you look at it, they could basically cut him after two years. So you're looking at twelve million dollars over two years from McCoy. That's not a bad deal. I agree with you. It depends on the asset because this team's already short on draft picks. But I think they're closer to one player away than you do. But all right, so and, and I think that yeah. goes back to I look at the Giants. I think they're a team that could legitimately make a run towards the Super Bowl. And I think the Cowboys, depending on what happens with Ezekiel Elliott, are a team that you pencil in for nine wins all the way up to twelve or thirteen wins this year. But right. again, I don't know that LaShawn McCoy makes you a Super Bowl caliber team this year. No, but I think you it does make you potentially the NFC East champion, and I think that's very big for Wentz and this team. I'm not saying you get McCoy, you're definitely going to do it, but right. I think we can both agree this season looks a lot different if you have LaShawn McCoy lining no up doubt. in the backfield. No so in that way, I do think it's something I would explore if I were the Eagles. Um, one thing I wanted to talk about before we get to the Twitter questions too, though, was Nick Foles. Um, Nick Foles has not really – he's really missed the majority of training camp with elbow soreness. He returned for a few days. He practiced against the Dolphins the first day. Had a nice practice, in my opinion. Made a few really good throws. It was clear he's definitely the best backup quarterback on this roster. But Tuesday, we get out to practice. He's not there. He's not in pads. Um, Didn't practice because elbow soreness again. And after practice, this was not a good look for Doug. Doug steps to the podium and says, I haven't decided if Nick is going to play. Not 10 feet away, five minutes later, Nick Foles first tells a fan he's not going to play, and then he tells the reporters he's not playing. So either Doug didn't know or he wasn't telling us the truth. But either way, not a good look for Doug. But in the larger picture, Nick Foles missing all this time with elbow soreness, to me, 
it's a big issue. I'm not saying it's on the level of the issues we've talked about with the running game and Alshon and all those things, but he is your best backup quarterback. And if he potentially isn't ready to go, if Wentz were to go down, that's an issue. I think the Eagles plan for him. I, I think we can both agree something's going on with his elbow. I mean, to have elbow soreness when you're barely throwing the ball to me seems really weird. Yeah, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, he practiced yesterday, and it was probably the third practice he's taken part in in the last week. Right. So that means that something might have happened yesterday or just, you know, he had tired arm after yesterday, which is not a good sign yeah. for that injury. But I think the bigger picture here is, Doug saying one thing to the media and one thing behind closed doors to Nick. And that happens all the time with coaches. Right. But that's why when you talk to guys like Alshon Jeffrey, when you ask him about an injury or you ask a coach about the status of a player, you know, his roster spot or whether he's going to play, don't always take that as gospel because mm. there's motivation for these coaches and players to say just about everything that comes out of their and mouth. My guess is what's going on with Foles is in a world where – you know, he wasn't in the NFL. Maybe he would have require surgery on his elbow. But I think the Eagles' plan is, look, you're not really going to need him. Ideally, he doesn't throw a single pass this year besides practice. He's played in enough games where practice isn't super important. My guess is Eagles are saying, you know, God forbid something happens to Wentz in week four and we need Foles to play three or four weeks. There's no point getting, you know, getting his elbow more work now. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if next offseason when he has six months to rest naturally – uh, if he does end up getting surgery. So, all right, but let's wrap this up with a few Twitter questions from people. I appreciate everyone that tweeted us. Um, the first one, and I'll throw this at you, Matt. Uh, this is from at Caleb Weeder, and he says, does Clement realistically have a shot to make the roster? I'd say Corey Clement less than 30% at this mm -hmm. point, because even though I think he's outplayed Denell Pumphrey, you look at Pumphrey, they invested a fourth round pick in him. They liked him coming out of San Diego State. I think Clement would have to, and I, I really liked him the other night, what he did against the Bills, but I think he would have to be outstanding in the final two preseason games to unseat Pumphrey from the roster. Yeah, I'll take this one, but then I think you're probably going to say some, something to say on it. This is from uh, Eagles HQ, or Eagles HQ, I guess. Uh, does Sidney Jones play this year? If so, what week? And if and is he playing outside corner? So my take on that is if he does play, yes, he'll be playing the outside corner, probably in, in place for Jalen Mills. Um, I thought Howie gave an interesting answer to a question uh, earlier this week. He was asked about the Ronald Darby deal, and he said, essentially, getting Darby takes a little less pressure from us to bring Jones back a week or two early. And some people have disagreed with me disagreed with me on this and I'm maybe I'm just reading into it but I think it's just weird he's talking about Jones in we in, in time frames of weeks yep. like why not, not years right not exactly seasons. like why not months like he's thinking of Jones that that's the type of answer you say if you're like uh, maybe we bring him back week nine instead of ten like you're thinking of it in terms of season so I thought that was maybe a little bit of a slip by Howie there into his natural way of thinking because let's be real Howie does as most he can to say nothing to the media so I thought that was an interesting takeaway does Sidney Jones play this year? If you would have asked me this a month ago, I would have said 5%. I'm, going, I'm getting up there after hearing that from Howie. Um, Glad you know, to see you coming over to yeah, the dark well, that's, side. That's what I was going to say. I, <laughs> I knew you would have something to say. Um, Sidney Jones, when he originally had the surgery back in March, said he would be back on the field in six months. So, I mean, you know, you're talking September, October time frame. Yep. The Eagles have a bye week the second week of November. Yep. That's, I mean, it's perfect timing. So, I'm still think there's still contractual reasons he might not play if he doesn't play this year. The Eagles, you know, he's a unrestricted he's a restricted free agent as opposed to an unrestricted free agent when he does hit free agency. There's all these reasons for him not to play, but I think I've gone up. I'd still say if I had to bet my life, 
he doesn't play, but I'm I'm getting the like. Don't bet your life. That's yeah. never a smart move. But yeah, I'm up to 25, 30, 35 percent. I'm I'm getting yeah. up there. I I'd say that, and I've been saying this ever since day one. I'd be more surprised if he doesn't play this season than if he does. I think that mm-hmm. it's at least 50-50 that he's on the field at some point, even if it's early to mid-November for five or six games. Because if he's fully healthy and he's fully recovered. I don't see the upside to to letting him rest. If he's mm-hmm. fully healthy and he's fully healed, I think he'll play. Yeah. We'll see. But I think it's going to be a better – there's a better chance than I used to think. All right. This one is from uh, Reds Ars Mustang. What do you think of the depth at defensive tackle? I love the starters. I think yeah. Fletcher Cox and Tim Jernigan both have the chance to be potential Pro Bowl players this year. Uh, Destiny Vallejo, he's okay. And I think that they really like – um, Hamilton. Yeah. They, they, they really like him uh, as one of the two tackles. I, I don't know that Elijah Qualls makes this team because right. he seems to have fallen out of favor with Chris Wilson. And Bo Allen is the wild card here because if he's healthy week one, then that makes that rotation all the more better. But I think the top three of Vallejo and, and Jernigan and Cox are about as good as you get. Yeah, I'm, I think Vallejo is pretty good. I think he looked good last year. Again, Bo Allen to me, when I figure out my 53-man roster, he's one of the wild cards. Because yep. if he's on the roster in week one, then you're right. Qualls isn't making this team. They're not keeping five, I wouldn't think at least. Um, although they might be afraid to put Qualls through uh, through waivers. I don't know. That That is an interesting question. Um, all right, last one before we wrap things up. This one is from one true Eagle fan. What are the chances Marcus Johnson and Trey Sullivan make the team? I'll start with this. Marcus Johnson, I'm at like 99.9% he's going to make the team. He's, he's a had, lock. Yeah, he had a really good showing against the Dolphins. The only thing I'll say is you just never know. I mean, Sheldon Gibson, who knows? They have more invested in him. Uh, Bryce Traggs, I, I don't know. But I'm very close with that. Trey Sullivan's not making the team. Right. Um, he had the big hit against the Packers. I think he maybe it was that hit that made me notice him, but I think he's been improving since that game. Um, but they're not keeping, I mean, they would have to keep like six or seven safeties to keep him. So I don't think he'll be making a team. I'm guessing you fall in the same boat on both of those players. Absolutely. And I, right. think, I think Marcus Johnson is a spot locked up and there's nobody that's really going to unseat him. Yep, I agree. All right, so we'll get out of here. Um, the Eagles play the Dolphins on Thursday. As always, we'll have a post-game reaction for you with that. So make sure you subscribe because then when you wake up Friday morning and you're driving to work, it'll already be on your phone. So go subscribe. We're on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and Spreaker. Pretty soon I'll be able to say those in my sleep. But we are on all of those things. If you're on YouTube, give us a thumbs up. And if you leave us a comment um, on the iTunes app or anything, you might get it read next week. And give us that five-star review, Give us that five-star review. really helps grow the show. Exactly. So thanks, everybody, for putting up for my voice today. Hopefully when I talk to you guys on uh, Thursday night, I'll be feeling better. Matt, talk to you soon. Looking forward to it.